where the miracle of pregnancy meets the reality of your changing body, where taking care of our kids meets taking care of ourselves, and where the daily frustrations of feeding a family meet establishing lifelong healthy habits. This is The Messy Intersection. Welcome to The Messy Intersection. My name is Diana Rice, and I am a pediatric and maternal health dietitian, and I am so excited that you decided to check out this episode of the show, because I realize that the title may seem just a little out of place in comparison to some of the other topics I've discussed so far. As you probably know, this is not specifically a show about children's programming. It is a show about raising resilient, body-confident kids with a healthy relationship with food and pursuing those same things ourselves. And some of the episodes, such as episode three with Amber Thomas, when we learned about her experience with food shaming at her son's pediatrician's office, highlight the problem and why it's so difficult in our culture right now to raise kids with a positive relationship with food. But I want to go beyond highlighting the problem with the way we talk about food and bodies with our kids and give you constructive tools to actively help your children develop a healthy relationship with food. I think that sometimes, especially these days with such a sea of content available to our kids and such a need for us as parents to have children's entertainment that will capture our kids' attention uh, when they're still home in quarantine with us, we don't put too much thought into how powerful the stories our children consume are in shaping their worldviews, but they really are so, so powerful. I would go so far as to say that they are not only one tool that we can use in helping our children learn to cope with and learn about the world, but that they are an essential part of how humans learn. This is why, you know, every major religion has a text full of stories. Stories can help us understand our values and behaviors in a way that directly talking about the issue often just can't. And and I would even say that for kids, this is even more important because a lot of the time they don't have the cognitive skills to talk about these things directly just yet, but they do have the ability to process stories. And there really are not too many resources out there for kids that specifically talk about food in a positive way. A lot of children's shows either don't address food at all, or, you know, maybe have a one-off episode about quote-unquote healthy eating. And then there are some other shows that, in my opinion, just really go off the deep end in terms of directly sending harmful diet culture messages to our kids, usually with the intention of promoting healthy behaviors, but in reality, doing anything but that. And in my opinion, that is what really makes Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood a rarity in terms of how well and how often the show brings food into the narrative in a positive way. And that is what Danny and I will be talking about today. And that is why I believe that talking about a children's show on a podcast to help moms foster a healthy relationship with food, both in their kids and themselves, is indeed very, very relevant. So let me tell you a little bit about Danny. Danny Lebovitz is a pediatric registered dietitian nutritionist, early childhood education advocate, and mom of three. Her mission is to help parents bring hands-on learning and sensory engagement into food education to foster curiosity, transforming picky kids into adventurous eaters. Danny has authored eight food books for kids, including Where Does Broccoli Come From, a book of vegetables, and 101 Descriptive Words for Food Explorers, a visual guide for adventures in food. She is also the creator of Kid Food Explorers, an online community focused on fun food play, steam activities, and easy recipes to help you get your kiddos in the kitchen. 
And I definitely want you all to check out Danny's resources, which I will link to in the show notes because they are such a perfect complement to what we're going to be talking about today. So just remember that the content on the show is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional medical advice. And the views I express are my personal opinions and do not represent the views of my clients or employers. Let's hear from Danny. Hey, Danny, welcome to the Messy Intersection. Hi, thank you so much for having me here today. I'm so excited. I am really excited for this conversation. This is an episode I've been wanting to do for a long time, and I think that you're going to be a great person uh, to have this conversation with. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and Kid Food Explorers? Uh, Absolutely. So hi, everyone. I'm Danny, and I am a mom and registered dietitian. And my social media and work is dedicated to helping kids grow into be adventurous eaters using a wonder mindset and sensory exploration. And so my goal is to give kids positive dialogues to use about food and really to expand their mind and be willing to explore and experience new things in a pressure-free environment. So most of my resources, my books, my Etsy shop, and my social media page are dedicated to helping kids become food explorers in search of delicious using food play, STEAM activities. STEAM or STEM activities is science, technology, engineering, arts, and math, and easy recipes to help families expose their kids to new foods and have fun while doing it. I love it. And yeah, you guys got to check out uh, Danny's Instagram because it's so much fun. We'll put the links to that in the show notes and her books as well. And, you know, Danny, you are a mom as well. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your family? Sure. So we are recording this show in November and all my babies are born in November. So my husband's birthday was Friday. My oldest child just turned four on Saturday. My baby turns two um, on Sunday, but in between now and Sunday, I have I'm expecting my third daughter on Friday with a scheduled C-section. So, wow, what a party <laughs> every November in your house! Yeah, we did a collaborative birthday party, birthday cake. We did presents for everybody already. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, and as I told you before we started recording, I really appreciate you taking the time to record this like three days prior to your scheduled C-section. I'm sure you have a lot going on. Oh, it's my pleasure. This is something that we've talked about doing for a while, and we're both very passionate about this subject matter. So I'm excited to dig in. Yeah, me too. So on that note, why don't you tell me more about what Daniel Tiger means to your family? Uh, Sure. So in in our family, we read a lot of books. We have a lot of great conversations, but sometimes we use other tools to help facilitate dialogue about hard conversations through play. And sometimes we like to use television. And Daniel Tiger is one of those shows that really does a lot to explain things in a visual and relatable way and a catchy way, especially with uh, music, to help my, my girls kind of relate. So for example, we have a new baby coming on Friday. And so one of the episodes that we 
watch uh, or have watched and we'll watch probably again another once or twice this week because we know how repetition is good for our littlest people is the bringing home baby Margaret or the, the baby episode and how to handle that. And so I think that Daniel Tiger has played a big role in a lot of ways that we communicate and are able to express ourselves and have conversations to familiarize some positive dialogue to communicate those things. And so actually when my first, when my, when my uh, second daughter was born, we prepared her for the second daughter with Daniel Tiger and that particular episode. And we had the baby buy her a Daniel Tiger doll. So that was the gift from the baby to her. And she remembers that and and has those positive associations. And, you know, we kind of sing the songs from that episode. And so Daniel Tiger is really a way for us to relate to our kids in a, in a positive way. It gives us some structure for conversation. And then when we are experiencing those hardships, we have a little song that we can sing to really encourage us to change our mindset to a positive way to think about the situation going on, which are often hard conversations or hard situations. Yeah, I love that. And that really gets to the heart of the show. So um, the the show is designed to do exactly what you just described. I know that perhaps not everyone listening right now is as diehard of Daniel Tiger fans as we are. So I do want to give a little bit of background on the show. Uh, A lot of people I find don't know that it is basically a reprise of the show Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And the cartoon show of Daniel Tiger takes place in that land of make-believe that the trolley goes into in Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, where there were the puppets of, you know, uh, Lady Elaine and King Friday. And there was one called uh, Daniel Stripes Tiger, which technically is the father of, you know, little Daniel Tiger, the, the guy who wears the blue sweater in the show, and the character is just called Dad Tiger, is the father of Daniel Tiger. And all of the other characters in what is called the neighborhood of make-believe are the children of those original puppets in Mr. Rogers. And the show premiered in 2012. And the creator of the show is Angela Santamero, who is also the uh, person behind the show Blues Clues. And I'm a total Angela Santamero fangirl. And I was doing some research on the, the concept behind the show, Daniel Tiger, before we started recording. And she she really describes how other than Mr. Rogers, prior to her coming along and doing the work that she's done for uh, Nickelodeon and PBS Kids, there was not a lot of other children's shows that were really designed to have that sort of educational curriculum as part of the show. It was more just about like action and fun. And, you know, not that those things aren't great for kids, but the show Daniel Tiger, the, there's no, there are no bad guys in the show. It's not like they're trying to get the, you know, the evil mister, whoever who kidnapped the cat or whatever. What they overcome in each episode are challenges that preschool age children have 
in their daily life, whether that's trying a new food or um, feeling frustrated that they can't get what they want or, you know, a friend doesn't want to play with them or, you know, a new baby comes along. Uh, All of these things are things that are pretty big deals to, you know, two, three, four-year-olds. And what the show provides is tools for children that age to cope, which is amazing for the kids, but it's also pretty amazing for the parents because (laughs) when our children are frustrated by those things, that is a major challenge for us. So I think that that that's definitely why I'm so obsessed with the show. (laughs) So what we're going to be talking about today, being that um, you and I are both registered dietitians who focus on pediatric work, right, (laughs) Right. um, is how this show, um, and you know, the show is very broad. It helps kids cope with all kinds of challenges like we've been discussing. But we both believe that the show really helps kids develop a positive relationship with food and that this is a theme that comes up in so many of the episodes. And there are some episodes that will chat about that are more directly about food. But what is so great is that even when the whatever challenge the episode is tackling is not about food, food is just woven into the background. And it's not just like, you know, food, healthy food, it's cooking together, eating together as a family, sharing family meals, having positive experiences around food. Shopping together, making food for somebody else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And because, as I mentioned, I'm such a fan of Angela Santomero, I was reading an uh, old interview that she did where she actually explained that healthy eating is a secondary curriculum in all of my shows. I feel such a responsibility with my storylines and characters, you know, to basically bring in what we have both noticed as professionals working in the children's eating space, you know, what is going on with Daniel Tiger and and, and his friends and, and when they're having experiences with food. So I think with that, um, let's get into chatting about our favorite episodes. So basically what we're going to do here for those of you listening is we have our top 10 favorite Daniel Tiger episodes that can help teach kids about food. And we're basically, I think I have them listed more or less in chronological order. No need to take notes. I'm going to make this available as a resource for anyone who's interested in the show notes. Um, You can look it up. But the episode I want to start with is the one called Be a Vegetable Taster and Daniel Tries a New Food. It's two episodes in one show. And this is definitely the episode I think that comes to mind for most parents when we think about Daniel Tiger and food. So Danny, why don't you tell me your experience with this episode? Sure. Well, I think the reason that inspired this conversation was there was some backlash about this particular episode. And I don't know if you want to touch on that First, before I go into some of my my thoughts about this episode, maybe you could give everybody a little background about the perception of diet culture as part of this conversation. So as listeners of the show will probably come together, raising kids who are resilient against diet culture is hugely important to me. It is uh, an undercurrent in all the work that I do in helping families develop positive and healthy relationships with food. I think that what we're running into here is the the definition of diet culture. So you and I see this episode as a pretty positive force in helping kids learn about food. But the criticism is that the song, every episode has a song, they're called strategy songs. The song involves the imperative of you've got to try new foods. The whole song is you've got to try new foods because they might taste good. 
I love that. I love that ending of the song because at no point in any of these episodes we're going to talk about does the show say, you know, you need to eat that because it's healthy for you. You need to eat your vegetables. You've got to get them in your body. The show doesn't talk about the concept healthy at all. The idea, you know, it might taste good is that it might be enjoyable to you as a child. You might discover something that you didn't know you liked. With that imperative of you've got to try new foods, I think it just gets a little bit confusing in terms of is this pressure on the child? And as we explore all of what diet culture is, a lot of it is pressure. It's pressure on adults to look a certain way, to eat a certain way. And we don't want to be pressuring our kids to feel like they have to try new foods. And so they're in the vegetable garden and they're trying these new things. And you can see that some of the characters are really apprehensive about trying these new foods. And is it pressure? Is it not? I think it's up for debate. But what's really great is that the adults in the show don't say, no, you really need to take a bite, you know, just one bite and then you're done. It's just like, okay, maybe you can try it later. I don't know. I, th- I personally think that this is just my personal opinion. So first of all, this episode aired, I believe, in 2012. So maybe a lot has changed in the world since then. But, you know, the team behind the show, I'm sure, does a lot of research on the messages they want to get across. Um, They're working really hard. You know, did they go and consult with Ellen Satter or other experts on diet culture before producing this episode? Are there things that could have been slightly modified to make it more in line with the messages that you and I try so hard to promote? Perhaps. But, you know, given that we're all human here, I still think that they did a really excellent job. What do you think? Yeah, so I think... Uh, I, uh, thank you for the giving that <laughs> comprehensive background. And, you know, I'm one of those people that try to give the benefit of the doubt. The song's title is Try New Foods Because It Might Taste Good. So especially with how the episode is written and no mention of healthy versus unhealthy, no additional pressure to say you need to try this or just one bite or, you know, you should take a taste, you know, and shooting on somebody. I think that it was just honestly one poor choice of word in the the jingle. But, you know, I'm not a songwriter, so I can't imagine, you know, how challenging it would be, I think, if, if they had spoken to a pediatric dietitian and somebody who is, you know, a non-diet dietitian. But can you imagine? Okay, so the tune goes like this. You got to try new foods because it might taste good. Sorry again for my singing. But can you imagine if Daniel said, I want to try new foods because it might taste good. How would that change your perception of the entire episode? Instead of saying gotta, like there is a requirement to wanna that intrinsic motivation, that food explorer wonder mindset, that positive dialogue totally changes how that idea of diet culture could be seen in that one episode because they are food explorers. They are exploring these foods in a garden and some people tried it, some people didn't. And then another piece of this episode that I really love is that so Miss Elena goes over to Daniel's house for dinner and dinner is like a a pasta with a vegetable sauce on it. And Miss Elena is super excited to try this veggie pasta. And Daniel's like, "Mm, I'm not really so interested in this veggie pasta. And then when the meal comes out, Daniel loves the veggie pasta. And then Miss Elena's like, you know, it's not my favorite. I prefer my pasta buttered. And, and and that's okay. 
And what I really love about this episode, and it so aligns with my work, is that it's okay not to like foods. It's perfectly fine not to like different things because we all have different taste buds and texture preferences. But what is the most important is that you are able to articulate what you like and what you don't like while also using kind language to discuss those foods so that we don't say yuck, somebody else is yum. So we don't make somebody else feel badly about liking something. And that also this episode really brings back the idea that you don't judge a book by its cover and we want to try new things because we don't know if we're going to like it or not and if we're feeling very brave today and that you might discover that you really love something or you might be super excited and brave about trying something new and find that it's really not your favorite and that you're still exploring it. That's that's one thing I really like about the episode. I think that uh, it kind of would make sense for like a character to be apprehensive about trying a food. And then it turns out that they try it and they actually love it. And yay, everybody's happy now. But that is not actually how the episode is written. The episode mm-hmm. is written more to mirror real life of right. children try something and they're like, nope, didn't like it. And you know, I, I think it's so great that we have that example for the kids in the episode that it is perfectly okay to try something and say you don't like it and that that is respected by the adults, basically. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. so, okay. Um, so let's move on. Another episode that I really love is called A Trip to the Enchanted Garden. And I thought it would be great to have you talk about this one um, because it really uh, has so much to do with encouraging kids to be food explorers, which is what you're all about. So uh, basically... In the Daniel Tiger's neighborhood of make-believe, there is an enchanted garden and it's got, you know, beautiful plants and a lot of fruits and vegetables. And the Tiger family, I think this is probably like a Saturday morning in the Tiger family house, um, Mom Tiger and Daniel want to make strawberry pancakes and, oh, they don't have any strawberries. And Daniel says, (laughs) let's go to the store and get some. And Mom Tiger says, even better, let's go to the garden and get some. And so Daniel has a, a chance to see how the strawberries are grown, which I think is something that a lot of families with kids this age do in real life is go to like a you pick farm and, you know, give the kids the opportunity to um, pick their own, which is really great. Exactly. So the reason why I think you have me talking about this particular episode is this is exactly what I have a, a book series and I call them a whole foods guidebook series for growing adventurous eaters. And basically my goal is to take whole foods like fruits, vegetables, legumes, nuts, seeds, and take a child who may not have access to a farm or a garden or an orchard Or maybe you do, and this is something that accompanies you, but to help facilitate that connection from farm to fork. So basically, this episode is great because Daniel Tiger has the opportunity to go to a a garden and pick the strawberries himself and see how they're grown and and have that whole hands-on exploration. But not every child will have that same opportunity. And so that's sort of what my books are designed for. So the books are all titled, Where Does 
broccoli come from or where do bananas come from? So where they originate from in the world and then how they get from seed to the fruit or the vegetable that we are going to consume and taking us on that journey to learn a little bit more. And so then it takes it a step further. And something I have in my books too is the pick, store, and eat and an easy recipe on how to prepare it. And so in the this particular case of this episode, Daniel and his mom have these strawberry pancakes in mind, which sounds wonderful. But uh, also it really encourages, not necessarily, maybe Daniel doesn't know if he likes strawberries, or maybe he doesn't know if he likes strawberries in pancakes. But food exploration does not mean that you are tasting the food. That is one small component of food exploration. So yes, Food exploration can mean using your five senses and really experiencing a new food to talk about its color, its flavor, its texture, its mouthfeel, the way it smells. But food exploration can also be, you know, visiting a garden or doing a Google search and learning what kind of fruit type. Is it a true berry or not? Does it grow on a vine or on a bush? And uh, really encouraging kids to get outside of their comfort zone and learning more about just what we focus on typically when it comes to feeding kids is the food itself. But all of the process and the experience and the explorations that can happen outside the table, outside the kitchen, and fun things that we could do like estimating how many seeds that a strawberry has or learning about the type of fruit strawberries are or learning about the vitamins and minerals in that fruit. And I think that is the perfect gateway to help explore food and cooking together and just making it all about fun. Yeah, I love that. I love that you mentioned um, whether it's going to a farm or doing a Google search. Like a, a lot of families these days probably aren't packing up the kids and going to a crowded U-Pick farm, but you know that, that can happen through a Google search. I've even done this with strawberries. When my kids, you know, maybe we get a batch of strawberries that's not the ripest, and they're like, "Mom, why are my strawberries white?" Uh-huh, <laughs> and I'm like, uh-huh. "Well, um, you know, I, I don't have, uh, you know, a." a field full of strawberries in front of me to use as an example, we can hit up Google and say like, look, you know, when they start growing, they're green and then they're white. And then, then they turn into the juicy red strawberries. And they, they start out as a flower and the, the flower is what blossoms into the fruit itself. And oh, by the way, strawberries, even though they have berries in the name, aren't actually berries at all. They're an aggregate fruit that come together to form this single fruit. So, you know, it's fascinating and it's so beyond the table. Yeah, I just learned something about aggregate fruits. Do you want the definition of an aggregate fruit? Do you have it in front of you? I do. An aggregate fruit grows from several ovaries. Now, the ovaries are the part of the plant that actually makes the fruit. So they grow from several ovaries formed in a single flower. And that flower with several ovaries comes together to form a single fruit, such as a blackberry or a strawberry. 
learning something new every day. I love it. <laughs> um, so that's an awesome episode that we will link to. Um, the next one I want to talk about is one of my favorites. It's called A Night Out at the Restaurant. Now, probably we are not all taking our kids to restaurants these days, but I think that it still has um, some really awesome lessons that we can use even at our home dinner tables. Basically, the episode is not really about you know how great it is to go to a restaurant. It's about learning to wait. So the strategy song is is when you wait, you can play, sing, or imagine anything. And uh, Daniel Tiger goes out to dinner with uh, Katarina Kitty Cat and her family, and they order their food. And then, of course, they don't get it right away, which I think is something that happens all the time in a little preschooler's life. Do you mm-hmm. use this song at home? <laughs> you know, before you had mentioned this episode to me, I hadn't seen it. And so I haven't used the song with my kids yet, but we are a military family and we lived in Germany for the past four years. And so we would go out to eat and, you know, travel quite a bit. And European kids, they just kind of sit and they could sit for hours at a meal. So it's so funny to see the difference between my four-year-old and two-year-old. My four-year-old is super patient. She'll sit and wait. She'll play quietly. But my two-year-old didn't have the same experience of going out and trying all these different restaurants and or traveling. So her patience isn't isn't quite the same. And I think this is definitely uh, an episode that we will be revisiting when we are out and about and not getting dinner on the table quickly at home because, you know, we haven't really been out in the past 10 months like everybody else. But what I would say about this episode that I wanted to mention that I really like is that Daniel has the opportunity to order whatever he wants off the menu. And he chooses to order chicken and broccoli versus like what the expectation would be on a children's menu, which is like your chicken nuggets and your French fries and your all of those sorts of things. And I I think there's criticism associated with that. But I got to tell you, I love that they had him choose that particular meal that he liked because I hate the concept of kid food and adult food. I hate going to people's houses and they have prepared a completely different meal for their children because it's a slam dunk meal. You know, it's a learning opportunity. And while I think there should always be some, uh, I guess we could call them safe foods. I don't like that term, but, you know, foods that are generally accepted. I don't like the idea of creating a whole different meal for kids. And I think that if you empower kids to explore and try new things and, you know, there's no such thing as a, as a, a child's menu. There doesn't have to be, yeah, maybe a reduced cost, but it could still be the very same foods that you and I eat. And it's not about training your child to like them. It's just making them part of the meal and process and knowing that everybody is having either the same meal or that they you help their tiny taste buds discover things that, you know, the average child isn't given the full opportunity and exposure to. Yeah, I love that too. And um, as I mentioned, I was uh, reading an interview with Angela Santamaro, the creator of the show, where she talked about the criticism of this episode in that, you know, why didn't he order pizza or chicken nuggets or something? And she says, millions of kids are watching this show and modeling what the characters do. Like, that's what we've been talking about all along is that, you know, when Daniel gets frustrated, we see him dealing with that frustration. And hopefully that is something that children watching can model in their own lives. Same deal with food. And 
And I think that's why you and I really love the show so much is that we see this as a theme running through so many of the episodes, even if it's not the major theme that's being discussed. In this episode, it's all about waiting. It's not about trying new food necessarily. But it does give parents an opportunity if they were to cook a similar meal, you know, chicken and broccoli, um, again, in a no pressure way, you don't want to be saying like, hey, Daniel Tiger ate that chicken and broccoli. What, like, don't you want to be just like Daniel Tiger? Like that would be too much pressure. But, you know, the, the, the kids are smart. They make these connections and they're like, you know what? Daniel ate broccoli and he was okay and he liked it. He said it was yummy. Like I can do that too, you know, because he is their little idol. It's so funny that you mentioned that because Daniel Tiger's favorite breakfast is oatmeal with blueberries. And (laughs) we know entirely too much about Daniel Tiger. But anyways, so Daniel loves oatmeal and blueberries. Well, my little people are not the biggest fans of oatmeal. And it's not the flavor. My kids have a texture aversion to anything soft and mushy. And so while they may like blueberries, they they don't really care for oatmeal. But because I know about their flavor and texture preferences, I make my oatmeal so it's kind of chewy and thick. And then I add other things to it to give it the texture preference that they like and want. And so... I might mention, oh, do you want Daniel Tiger's favorite breakfast? And they'll be like, yeah. And they used to say that when I didn't make those modifications and then nothing would be eaten. But now, um, you know, I, I even though I can mention, oh, do you guys want oatmeal? Should we have Daniel Tiger's favorite breakfast? I'm, I'm tailoring the way I prepare it to be something that I know they like and will accept because it has more uh, texture, a crunch. I'll add nuts to it. I'll add chia seeds, flax seeds. We might add some rainbow sprinkles, you know, whatever it takes. But it's being able to relate to this character that kind of helps bridge the gap, but I didn't pressure them into Mm -hmm. trying it. I just merely asked. And they've tried it several times like that, but didn't like it. And me as a parent and knowing you know, and, and listening to their taste buds and texture preferences. I actually have a, a book called uh, 101 Descriptive Words, A Visual Guide for Adventures in Food that helps children visually relate to new descriptive words to help them articulate their likes and dislikes about food. And that's been really wonderful because it's helped them help me understand what they like and what they don't like and why so that I can still prepare these foods that I'd like to eat or that they might want to try or like eventually, but prepared in a way that will be better accepted. Yeah, that's awesome. And and having seen their their idol of Daniel Tiger try something like that. And, and the oatmeal with blueberries is not the only example. I think in the rest of the episodes we're going to talk about, there's at least one example of, you know, something that Daniel likes and cooks. And just having that as an example of wanting to model basically what he does. But like you're talking about, be empowered to do it in their own way, I think is, is really, really cool. So uh, the next episode we're going to chat about is Daniel's Love Day Surprise. Do you like this episode? Oh, absolutely. This episode, I'll just talk a little bit about it, Mm -hmm. is essentially making pizzas at home as a family. And this is kind of one of my fallback meals on a a busy night. We often do like an English muffin pizza or like a French bread pizza or something if we want to feed people and everybody to be happy and get them involved, it's also great when you have other kids over. But what I like about it is that 
Everybody has the opportunity to pick and choose what they like and what they want. And they use inviting and colorful rainbow vegetables to get kids excited about making their own pizza. And what I will say is that what we have experienced is that sometimes kids make this beautiful rainbow pizza and then they explore with their mouths and some of the veggies they have included aren't their favorite. But that was one piece of exploring. And so I just really love that they're cooking together. They are including things and allowing children to pick and choose what they want. And I just think it's a great example and an easy recipe for parents to follow and use at home in their own families. Yeah, I love it too. And I also have a recipe for this one on my website because we did make it once and I took some pictures. Um, we even made the pizza dough into the heart shape and we did all the colors of tomatoes that were red and orange bell peppers. And it was really fun. My kids really loved it. But yellow was um, was corn. And when we made it together, somehow I got stuck with the piece of pizza that was just all corn. And like, I don't, I don't have a problem with corn, but like when I eat pizza... <laughs> Like I want some onions on there. And I was like, I was like, great. But it's super fun for kids to be able to do this. So I'll put a link to, um, it's not really a recipe. I mean, you, you just get some pizza toe and you put whatever kinds of colorful toppings on there. But it's fun to see the picture um, because it looks a lot like the pizza that they make in the show. In fact, my kid who was four at the time when we made it was like, okay, red is at the top. And then comes like, you know, we made it exactly like Daniel Tiger makes his pizza. Um, you but, guys are and- so fancy. <laughs> I'm, yeah. over here, I'm over here talking about English muffins yeah. or like, you know, picking up some bread at the store and going for it. But well, I mean, one reason that my family uh, loves the show so much is that there are so many opportunities for us to mimic exactly what Daniel Tiger does. And it's not always food, but it really is often, um, whether it's that oatmeal and blueberries you're talking about or the, the rainbow pizza, to be able to do something exactly like he does it. I'm sure that this is by design from the show creators as well. It's like to give us those opportunities. Um, but same deal. I found that my kids uh, didn't necessarily love... You you know, they like bell peppers, but they don't like cooked bell peppers. So mm-hmm. now when we make pizza, we just make the onions and pepperoni and stuff on there that we all actually like to eat. But we had that one experience where we did it just like Daniel Tiger. And what I really love about this episode in particular is that it's it's the Valentine's Day episode. They don't call it Valentine's Day. They just call it Love Day. But the, the song is Find Your Own Way to Say I Love You. And what they're really getting at is how much food and eating as a family is an experience expression of your family's love and togetherness. And I am just like sold. Like that is what I am all about. That is totally my love language. hundred percent. Which is really great. So the next episode I want to chat about is one that is super important to my family. So I'll give some background on it. It's Daniel's allergy and allergies at school. So my younger daughter, who's now three, she is allergic to peanuts and tree nuts. And we discovered this when she was about one year old. So that was when my older daughter was herself three years old. And it was a super stressful time in my life, um, you know, just trying to figure out what was going on with her, what can we have, what can we not have. And being that the allergic child was one, she couldn't process a lot of this, but I really needed to explain to my older daughter, like why we couldn't have peanut butter anymore. And, you know, why we had to stop having things in our house that we used to. And this episode was just like a gift from the parenting gods for me. I think she had seen it before, before my 
before my younger daughter onset her allergies, but just to be able to go back to it and, and be like, this is what's going on. This is what's going on with your sister. Basically, Daniel discovers that he's allergic to peaches in the episode and he goes to the doctor and he's like, why am I so itchy? I ate something I never had before. It was peaches. And then the doctor character tells him all about managing his allergy. And, you know, we see that he's disappointed when he can't have things that do contain peaches and how he has to, you know, get some special modifications when he goes to school because they have peaches there. And like all of these things are so real for a kid with food allergies. And even though my my child was one at the time that her allergies onset, she's now three and now she's finally at the age where she needs to process what she can and can't have. So we still go back to this same episode that we've been going to for you know years now to help you know both of my kids understand what's going on with her food allergies. And I think it's one in 13 kids has a food allergy. So like it's probably not the majority of people watching this show, but they probably have a friend in their class who has a food allergy. So whether or not your family is actually experiencing it, I, I just really, really appreciate that the show created this research resource for families because it has been, for me, the number one way that I've taught my kids about food allergies. Have you watched this episode with your family? Yeah, and absolutely. That's exactly what you said. I I love this episode specifically to help teach my child how to be kind and thoughtful and understand what another child may be going through. And so no matter where you go these days, school, daycare, They have these restrictions of what you can and can't have. So, you know, when my daughter says, oh, well, why can't I have this snack at school or why can't I bring this? Then I can say, well, remember that episode we watched and how Daniel couldn't have peaches? Well, there's a person in your class that's really allergic to peanuts and they can't have these peanuts. So we are helping keep them healthy and safe by just changing one small thing that we're doing. And and it gives me a dialogue. It gives her a relatable perspective and it helps facilitate a conversation in an easy way that we can all understand together. And uh, I mean, that's just this episode just reiterates my love for Daniel Tiger because it takes something that could be a really hard or complex conversation and makes it simple and relatable. And, you know, the, the one funny piece is watching your child say, oh, well, I, you know, this makes me feel funny about, you know, certain foods when they're totally fine. But I love the educational piece of it. Yeah. And and I that makes me feel all warm and fuzzy that you shared that as a non-allergy parent, just for me to know that there are parents like you out there who are looking out for my child. One thing that I just especially love about the episode is that um, the strategy song, instead of being something like, allergies are tough, but you can manage them. That, that's not what they do with the song. It, the song is we take care of each other. And mm-hmm. I, and just like, and it the, builds empathy yeah. and, and it makes it not this person's problem. It's a communal way of dealing with a really hard topic and, and supporting one another instead of having any negative feelings. 
Yeah, I really love that. So yeah, that one definitely will always have a special place in my heart. Um, and they even in, in future episodes, they bring up Daniel's allergy. So it's not kind of like a one and done deal. Like it just kind of casually comes in like, oh, yeah, I, I can't have peaches. Um, I guess I'll, ha- I'll have, you know, strawberries instead or something like that. So the next episode I'd love to chat about, um, we kind of touched on this at the beginning, is called Daniel's Lunch. And this is the Don't Yuck My Yum episode. This is one of the newer episodes. And next to the allergy episode, this is probably one that I reference in conversation with my kids more than any other, because this rule of don't yuck my yum is something that's very important in my household. Do you want to chat about how it works in your house? Yes. So I think I kind of touched on this earlier. I I have very few food rules. One food rule that I mentioned was that it's okay not to like something, but you need to be able to talk to me about the qualities you don't like about a food. So, you know, is it the flavor? Is it the texture? And then using descriptive words to kind of talk about that. And I think that's really important because it it helps you pause, be mindful, and not just label a food without really understanding it. But my only other food rule is We can't say, ew, I don't like this for a couple reasons. One, it it could be hurtful to somebody who likes the food and now you're influencing them in a negative way simply with words because words are meaningful and words can hurt. But it could also hurt the person who prepared it, who spent time to create it. And so instead, we use a dialogue in our home and this is kind of goes along the lines of, eating with a wonder mindset is that we don't say, I don't like this or ew, we can say, it's not my favorite. I'm still exploring it. So when you look at like my scales on my different resources, I have a, you know, my five senses at the bottom, there's a hedonic scale or my food explorer placemats. We don't say ew, or we don't like it, or that's disgusting. Any of these hurtful words we just can easily say, it's not my favorite. So it, it, it's something positive and leaves it open-ended because we are food explorers in search of delicious. And we might discover that maybe we do like it, or maybe we like it in a different way, or, you know, we learn, we're learning to like something new. Yeah, definitely. And I think that language of it's not my favorite. I know that they use that. I think the miscellaneous character uses that when she tries the veggie pasta in the first episode we were chatting about. So I'm not 100% sure if they use that same language of it's not my favorite in this episode. But it's definitely a theme that comes up in the show. Um, The strategy song in this episode is we like different things and that's just fine. But remember to be kind. And kindness is also a major, major theme on the show. And I think that bringing it into the food conversation is really important. I love that they made that connection. And and the thing is, words, using negative words, even though we don't, on the surface level, classify them as being unkind, you never know how that is going to affect the person who is enjoying that food and how they internalize whatever it is you're saying. And so Simply saying like, that's not my favorite, but I'm glad that you like it or that you're enjoying it gives the gives permission and takes any of the negativity out of the peer pressure of not wanting or liking something because 
we're so influenced at that age about how we feel about things based on what other people tell us. Yeah, definitely. And in, in the episode, Daniel's eating an egg salad sandwich that his dad has prepared for him. And uh, Miss Elena doesn't like the smell. And she starts to say that it's it's yucky. And th- there's an element there, not only that Daniel really does like the taste of an egg salad sandwich, but his dad made it for him. And when she starts mm-hmm. to say that it's yucky, uh, he's oh, like, yeah. but, but, but my dad made it for me, you know, and um, there's that element of preserving the food culture in each family and the love that we pour into cooking for each other. And I just, I just love that. Yeah. Yes. Um, So speaking of having a a cooking culture in your family, the next episode I want to chat about is another one of my absolutely favorite episodes and it's called making Moses with Nana. And Nana is a character, a newer character to the show. Um, There's a character named Jody who lives with both her mom and her Nana and Jody and Nana have this long standing tradition of making Moses, which are a type of oatmeal cookie basically. And it's just a super sweet episode about cooking together the the song is I love the special things I do with you and it's not about like we need to get all these cookies made for the bake sale it's just like making cookies together is something that we can do together to bond basically and mm-hmm. it's not only that they cook the they make all the cookies together they go and distribute them to their neighbors to you know share the love that way which is just mm-hmm. really wonderful yes exactly that's like as we said before it's it has some parallels to another episode and you know, food, food can be love. Food is a way to express love. My favorite part about cooking or baking is preparing foods for other people to enjoy and watching them enjoy them. And I think that's instilling that love of food and, you know, doing something kind for something else and spending quality time with family. I just, I, I love it. Yeah. So I love it so much that I went and replicated this recipe and put the recipe on my own website and even went so far as to search on Amazon for the exact kind of little gift boxes that they package (laughs) up the cookies in. They they like they draw on the outside with crayons and then they put the cookies in these gift boxes and give them to their neighbors. So I will put a link in the show notes um, if you want to buy these. (laughs) If you're as much of a fangirl as I am and you want to buy the exact same boxes that Daniel Tiger uses which goes back to what I was saying of when kids are able to have the exact same experience that they watch Daniel Tiger have on the show, they're able to you know feel more of that connection with him and be empowered to do the same things that uh, that he's doing with um, his family and friends, which is just a really wonderful element of the show. Oh, one one other great thing about this episode too is the the modifications. So mm-hmm. like they were out of chocolate chips, I think, and so they used raisins instead and showing that, oh, if we don't have something, we can use something else and that's okay and it's going to be delicious and yeah, yeah. And the Jody character originally expresses like, but we we always use chocolate chips. It's not it's not making you know our mosies without the chocolate chips. And then the Nana character comes in and it's like it's not about exactly what we're making, it's about the fact that we're making it together, right? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah. My kids um, insist on using chocolate chips when we make them. (laughs) Well, so my four-year-old would say chocolate chips only, and my two-year-old would be like, bring on the raisins. Nice, nice. Right. Um, So I will link to that recipe. 
All right. The last episode we're going to chat about, because we've been chatting about all this for a while. I love the episode, and it's a much newer episode. I think it's in the most recent season called Daniel and Mom Go to the Market. When I first saw this episode, what I loved so much about it, that the lesson is about safety. It's, it's actually a reprise of the beach episode where they say, stop and listen to stay safe. But the setting is cooking together and shopping together at the store. So, you know, it's not something that's like inherently dangerous, but they're weaving making safety a priority into something that is so common for a lot of families. So the opening scene is Daniel and his mom cooking scrambled eggs together. And um, something that the show does really often is make the opening scene something that's like Daniel's engaged in an activity that just draws the kid in. And it's not even about teaching anything just yet. The kids watching see Daniel doing something that's just like what they would do, whether it's going to school or playing with toys or cooking with his mom. So I think it's one thing I really love is that it just completely normalizes like, of course, when mom makes scrambled eggs, she's gonna let Daniel, you know, stir it, but then to bring in the safety theme, well, when I go over to the stove, that's the job for mom. But then they go to the store. And for one thing, we get to see a lot more of the store, we usually only see like the front area of the store, but apparently the store is quite big, it has all kinds of wonderful <laughs> foods. And I just thought that was cool for the kids to sort of see that Daniel's store is just like their store, not like we're all taking our kids to the store that much these days necessarily. Yeah, yeah. But going back to the safety theme, he then gets separated from his mom and gets lost. So have you watched this episode with your kids? I have not seen this episode yet, but I, I just from what I've read about it and from listening to it's it's absolutely relatable. And it's all the things that we are talking about and we do together anyways. So they love grocery shopping. They love helping cook. And they're really good at listening to my safety recommendations and in the kitchen and of course in the store it's so important and we work on that and so I'm looking forward to sharing this episode with them because they can see how scary it can be to get separated from from their parents and maybe that's something they will work hard and be thoughtful and remember oh I remember when Daniel got separated from his mommy and daddy at the store and I don't want that to happen to me so I'm going to make sure that I hold hands or stay in the basket or whatever and be more mindful because we have certainly played those games in the store that are not a game to mommy for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I just love that they chose the grocery store as the setting for that because that is something that's because so... it's happened to all of us before. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, <laughs> and honestly, like we're probably not all taking our kids to amusement parks these days. You know, right. if we're taking our kids anywhere, it probably is a grocery store. So yes. uh, I just love that um, that that's the setting for yes. that. Yes, and for me, what I like about it, the idea of this episode is that you know, we can talk about it on the way to the grocery store. Like, you know, because we have, I haven't been taking my kids to the store. I think since March, they've been to two stores. I mean, really what a change from going anywhere and everywhere to managing our time and schedules so that I don't bring them to decreased exposure because my little people put everything in their mouths and their hand, touching things and touching their hands to their mouths. And so this is something that I think we'll probably reintroduce episode wise and then like watch the episode before we're going to reintegrate into bringing them into stores and then have a discussion about it on the way to the store so that they know to practice those safety tools, they can relate to it. And as you know, 
our life hopefully will normalize again in the future. Yeah. And on that topic, what was so great about um, the show, and it's not one of our top food episodes, but in August, the show premiered a pandemic episode to help. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I'll link to that too. It's really great because, you know, it basically helps kids process the experience of being a young child in this pandemic, you know, which is different, you know, having their parents work from home and not being able to give them all the attention that they want. Or, you know, Daniel wants to go to the carnival and his mom has to come in and be like, well, you know, we're actually, we're not going out anymore because we're trying to keep everyone safe. And the, the fact that they even just went and produced an episode like that, you know, again, like I've talked about the show being a gift from the parenting gods to really right. help children process and see that, you know, they're not alone in this. Daniel's experiencing this too. And here's how Daniel copes with it. Obviously, that's the theme of the whole show. But the, the fact that they even went and did that was pretty amazing. And, you know, couldn't come soon enough, you know, in my experience being home with my kids as the pandemic went on. So that was really helpful. So I'll put a link to that uh, in the show notes as well. So um, we've been chatting for a while. Any final takeaways you want to share about the value of Daniel Tiger in your home? What I would love to invite your listeners uh, to reflect upon is I truly believe that these shows are created not only for the child, but also for the parent to provide us tools and guide hard conversations around everyday dynamics of parenting. And that includes food. And while, you know, the one episode has one word that is a turnoff, I I think overall the general message and tools and jingles that Daniel Tiger provides has so enormously impacted our family in such a positive light. I mean, I I would be surprised if a day goes by we don't mention a little jingle or something associated with Daniel Tiger because those life lessons and words or songs are relatable and help us connect or help me as a parent connect with my child in a way at a level that resonates with them. And and I really I really love the food episode. It speaks to my heart and I think that the intentions are meant to be supportive of every family and just want to encourage people to continue to explore foods in a in a pressure-free environment and make food discovery fun and exposing kids to new foods without the pressure to taste is really important to help you establish a healthy relationship with food for your little people. Well, I love that. And I think that's a perfect lead in for you to share how we can find out more about your work, because I know that that is exactly what your work is all about. Absolutely. So you can find me on Instagram at kid.food.explorers. And I also have a Facebook page. I also run a family-friendly parenting feeding Facebook group called Growing Adventurous Eaters, Kids Nutrition Made Easy. And it is a collaborative community of parents and professionals to support and give encouraging advice 
as well as my website, which is experiencedeliciousnow.com. I have a free resource library that's very extensive with free printables of taste testing, my science worksheet for your older kids that takes them through the scientific method. We have printable food explorer hats and a U-Pick guide of fruits and vegetables, things that will be helpful tools in your home. And then you can find my books on any online retailer, amazon.com, Barnes and Nobles, Target, Walmart. And I also have an Etsy shop that has printable resources and posters like my Food Explorer placemats and aprons that are watercolor for mom and fun fruit and veggie characters for your little people as well. That's awesome. And I I follow uh, Danny's Instagram and that apron is just gorgeous and just all of her resources are really awesome. So I'm going to link to all those in the show notes so you all can easily find them. Danny, thank you so much for this conversation. This has been really fun and honestly kind of a dream come true for me because I am (laughs) such a fangirl of the show. Um, And thank you for taking the time with the new baby coming and good luck uh, in a couple of days when you you meet your your little one. (laughs) Thank you. Now, now, now to figure out a name because oh, that wow. we do not have yet. <laughs> well, good luck with that too. Oh, wow. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me here and sharing my love of Daniel. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> take care. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Danny. As we discussed, I've developed several recipes inspired by the recipes that Daniel makes with his family on the show. Those are banana swirl, rainbow heart pizza, and Mosey's. I've put those together for you in a really great printable PDF, so look for the link to that in the show notes to get cooking with your own kids. The links to Danny's work will be there as well, and she has some really, really great resources for you too. And of course, the next logical step, if Daniel Tiger is new to you, is to actually watch these episodes with your kids. So I want to tell you how to access the show. The easiest, but perhaps most expensive way to access the show is through Amazon Prime. And then you also need an additional subscription to PBS Kids within Amazon Prime to get access to all of the episodes. The first season, which includes the episode about visiting the Enchanted Garden, is available with just a basic Amazon Prime subscription, however. Now, pbskids.com always has a handful of Daniel Tiger episodes available for free on their website, although the episodes change every week, so you might not be able to access the ones we've discussed here at any given moment. And then if you have a TV with access to a local PBS channel, I think most PBS affiliates air two Daniel Tiger episodes every morning. So if you have a DVR like I do, you can set your DVR to record every episode of the show, and in a few months, you'll have the full catalog. And then when your kids want to watch a particular episode, you'll get to scroll through more than 100 episodes trying to find the exact one that they want while they wait impatiently. Uh, So a few options for you there. In my recipe resource PDF, you'll also find direct links to where each of these episodes we discussed today live on Amazon. So I hope you'll find one of these ways to watch the show. It has been such a positive force in my home, and I would love for it to be that positive force in your home as well. Um, And I hope you enjoyed this episode. We are going to keep the conversation going about uh, both positive and negative messages about food found in children's media over in the Messy Intersection Facebook community. So if you would like to chime in on that, I would love for you to join the group. And the link to that is in this episode's show notes. Thank you so much for listening. And until next week, agamaga.